Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the new Relic fourth quarter and fiscal year 2021 earnings conference call. All participants will be in a listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star and then one. To withdraw yourself from the question queue, you may press star and two. We also note today's event is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the conference call over to Peter Goldlocker, Vice President of Investor Relations. So please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for joining our Q4 Fiscal 21 earnings call. We published a letter on our Investor Relations website about an hour ago, and we hope everyone's had a chance to read our letter together with today's earnings press release. Because of the level of detail we provided across these two documents, today's call will begin with Lou providing brief opening remarks, and then we'll dive right into your questions. During this call, we will make forward-looking statements, including about our business outlook and strategies, which we base on our predictions and expectations as of today. Our actual results could differ materially due to a number of risks and uncertainties, including the risk factors in our most recent 10Q to be filed with the SEC. Also, during this call, we will discuss certain non-GAAP financial measures. We've reconciled those to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measures in our earnings release. These non-GAAP measures are not intended to be a substitute for our GAAP results. And finally, this call in its entirety is being webcast from our Investor Relations website, and an audio replay will be available there in a few hours. With that, I'd like to turn it over to Lou. Thank you very much, Peter, and uh, welcome, everyone, to the call. Uh, I think you would all agree there's a lot of news to share today, and so we want to leave lots of time for your questions. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to have a few comments at the very end about the really exciting news about the transition of leadership and, and my moving on to the executive chairman role. Um, but I want to first lead off and talk a bit about the quarter and the fiscal year. Uh, as everyone knows, it was a very transitional year for us. Um, where we made uh, bold bets to, to do transformative things for our company with an eye toward the long-term success and growth of the business. Uh, we had more conviction than ever, uh, than ever in that uh, strategy, uh, which really was the brainchild of Bill Staples. Um, and we're pleased with the progress we're making towards that. Um, and we're, we're diligently focused on migrating as much of the customer base over to the New Relic One model as possible, and as we see customers migrate over, we're really pleased with how they consume um, against their commitment and how we believe that will result in a strength in the business um, going forward. Uh, it was a particularly good quarter for product, um, and uh, we believe that uh, core to all of this is a strong product that will drive uh, usage and consumption and, then, and therefore business growth, and now we're thrilled that as of the start of fiscal year, we've aligned everybody in the company, including compensation programs, with the consumption model that we are fully committed to, which again, we think will bear fruit um, uh, in, in the, in, over the course of the, the fiscal 22. So uh, with that, we'll hand it, open, uh, hand it over to you for your questions. Operator, we're ready for questions. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, if you would like to ask a question, please press star and then one using a touchstone telephone. To withdraw your questions, you may press star and two. If you are using a speakerphone, we do ask you please pick up your handset before pressing the keys to ensure the best sound quality. 
With that in mind, it is star and then one to join the question queue. And our first question today comes from Sinjit Singh from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead with your question. Thank you for taking the questions. And um, sad to see you uh, go, Lou, but I know you are um, uh, leaving the company um, in good hands in terms of the CEO role. I know you're going to be the executive chairman, but you're leaving the company in, in good hands with, with Bill. So um, it, it's been great working with you and hope to continue the relationship uh, going forward. My question is sort of really on kind of the path forward from here, um, and particularly as it relates to sort of metrics, because I think I understand the business model transition. So two questions. I think the earnings letter talks about 59% of the base uh, being uh, transitioned to the new model. When do we expect that to be fully transitioned? That's uh, number one. And then second on metrics. Um, it seems like we're moving to net revenue retention, which is, as, as you sort of say, a backward-looking metric. What is the metrics that we should be focusing on? Is it something like RPO that gives us a more forward-looking indicator about how the pace of the transition and hopefully underlying growth starts to improve over the next several quarters? So the, uh, the investor letter talks a bit about um, the, the transition to, to the new Relic 1 pricing. We're at about uh, close to 60% at the end of March. And we're looking at being over 80% at uh, the end of fiscal 22, so a year from, from March. So, um, at, you know, at that point, we'll be, we'll be pretty well done, other than we do have contracts that are, that are multi-year agreements where those will, will time out, and as they expire over the next couple of years, they'll transition to consumption billing. So, um, you know, for, for, we're, we're very pleased with the fact that we've got more than half our business now on, on the consumption model, and by the end of the year, we'll be getting to, to you know, effectively the, the whole business there. So, so that, that's, that's good news. In terms of the metrics going forward, it's really all about revenue, uh, and then that's why we talked about net revenue retention. Um, and, and, you know, internally, we look at all sorts of metrics, as you can imagine. For us, it's really about accounts, users, and data, primarily users and data. That's what drives our top line. But internally as a company, we are all aligned around growing data and growing users. And so that's what we're very focused on. In terms of the externally focused metrics, it's really about revenue and, um, and the net revenue tension. So that's what, that's what we encourage folks to, 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 to look at um, and we think is, is going to be really the most telling indicator of our business, and um, as we've we've talked about in the letter, you know we're we're facing a headwind at this point um, as we make this transition, but uh, but we're looking at, at the back half of the year, and we're confident that uh, revenue will revenue growth will start to reaccelerate in the back half of the year. And if I could just follow up on, on that last point, given that as, as you say that. Um, you know, there's still a transition as it relates to, to revenue growth over the next couple of quarters. Wouldn't it make more sense to share some of those internal data around paid users, data consumption, just for investors to see that those trend lines to see um, how the sort of the, the progress in terms of executing on, on the business model transition, understanding that revenue growth in the near term is going to continue to, um, can continue to be under pressure? Yeah, so so we have given we've given some of that data in the in the investor le investor letter talking about data growth, 
and we we talked about the we talk about the data growth um, year over year, and and how that has been been expanding. And I think it was in the in the went from roughly 70% year over year to 80% in the low 80s over the last 12 months. And so we have given indications of how that that data is growing. Um, we also are looking, and we've given some information around the low end of our business, the self service portion of our business and some of the growth characteristics of that business, which we think are, are um, you know, very, very interesting and, and good data points for folks to take a look at. Um, you know, we, we obviously want to, want to be, you know, we're still, we're still in this process. We haven't had customers complete a full 12 months in the, in the, in the annual pool of funds and in in consumption billing yet. So, um, you know, we've got to be a little, a little cautious with, with what we give out because we know how, how those things tend to get extrapolated things. Uh, but, but we have given a fair amount of information in the letter about, about how that's going. Got it. I appreciate it, Mark. Um, and, uh, and, uh, congrats to, to Bill on the Guinness CEO Thank you. Our next question comes from Kingsley Crane from Berenberg. Please go with your question. Thank you. I also want to extend congrats to Bill and to Lou for what you've built in New Relic and for now leading the company in a new capacity. Um, two questions. One is on the some of the comments you've made in the letter about spend contribution from users and data. You've said you've seen 65% users, 35% data. Uh, you've also said that you expect this to return to 70-30, but it also may go to 60-40, and it may affect gross margin. So just some clarification on where you see this trending and how it might affect gross margins would be helpful. Sure. So so it's roughly two-thirds, one-third. Um, you know, I think it, it depends a little bit on how, uh, you know, on, on the customer mix, larger customers tend to be a little bit uh, skewed more toward more heavily toward data than users, and uh, the the lower end um, they can they can be more skewed a little bit toward toward uh, data than than uh, I'm sorry users than data. Um, we put two thirds one thirds out there. Uh, you know, in our longer term models, we're looking at 70-30 as being being the likely case. On the other hand, we, we want to let folks know, to the extent we're, we're very successful in attracting even more data than, than you know, we've, we've assumed, um, then that, that could push that closer to 60-40. In that case, it would have a modest impact on gross margins, but we think that would be more than worth it given the increased data would inevitably drive the top line higher. Okay, that's, that's fair. Thank you. And then second would be in the letter you call out that you will anniversary the model transition in the back half of this fiscal year and you expect a reacceleration in growth. Your guidance implies 6 to 7% growth in Q1 and 6% in fiscal year. So how should we think about the uh, transitional headwinds as we progress through this year? So, you know, we, we continue to, to face uh, headwinds as we're getting through the next two quarters. Um, you know, we've got Q1, then Q2. Remember, we introduced this new program last August. So at that point, we'll have our first cohort of customers. That just is, is anniversary. And, and, uh, and so at that point, um, you know, we'll have a full year behind us. 
And then as we look out at consumption and we look out, you know, at, 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 at uh, you know, the trends we're seeing, we're confident that revenue will accelerate in the back half uh, starting in, in the second half of the year, Q3, and then into Q4. Okay. That's clear. All right. Thank you again. Congrats. Our next question comes from Rob Oliver from Baird. Please go ahead with your question. Great. Uh, thank you, guys, and apologize for any um, background noise uh, here. Phil, uh, congratulations to you, and uh, Lou, uh, West, best wishes to you, and uh, it's been, been fun working with you over the years. Um, my, my question is on the state of the sales force right now. I mean, you guys asked, um, you know, your enterprise sales force to completely change the way they sell, and um, just curious now, uh, particularly coming into the, the new year, um, about the state of the sales force, how they've responded to the change in the pricing model, how they're executing on that so far, and if we've seen all the changes that we, you know, that if all the changes that have been needed in the sales force have all been made. Yeah, thanks for that question. This is Bill here. I'll take that one. Uh, <clears throat> we uh, spend the first month of our fiscal year, so uh, the month of April, in uh, a lot of uh, sales enablement training and on, you know, onboarding to the new compensation model for them. Um, spent a lot of time talking through the shift to consumption, the value that holds for customers and the, the best ways to engage customers to help them solve their business problems. Um, universally, the feedback that I heard out of that uh, sales training and enablement was very positive. I think, um, you know, it's, it really changes the nature of the relationship that our sales uh, relationship managers get to have with the customer, shifting away from these more combative, you know, negotiation-type conversations to really how, how can we solve your business problem, how can we put new relic to work for you, and then unlocking that value with the customer, which drives consumption and now fully aligned with their compensation model. So. It's really a win for the customer, a win for our sales team, and um, I've, I've seen a lot of enthusiasm and engagement by the sales organization on the new model. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think we, we were off to a great start. The first uh, um, uh, month, six weeks of the quarter are looking, looking good and uh, looking forward to seeing the progress throughout the year. As Mark said, uh, completing that transition from 60% of our customers in the in the model at the end of Q4 um, to uh, well over 80% by the end of the fiscal year. Great, thanks, guys. I'll hold it there. Appreciate it, Bill. Thanks again. Congrats again. Our next question comes from Robert Magic from Raymond James. Please go ahead with your question. Great, thanks, and congrats to Bill and Lou. Uh, it looks like your ingestion volumes were generally flattish from November to uh, to February as I eyeball the chart, but then picked up in March. And I know in the letter you talked about seeing some green shoots around engagement. Is the pick up in March an example of that, and should we expect a smoother ramp up from here on? Uh, the data volumes, uh, I think they did level off around the holiday season, and November, December, uh, and into January was a little slower of an upstart. That's pretty typical seasonal pattern that we see. A lot of the uh, ramp up to the holiday season uh, in the observability workflow happens 
before uh, Black Friday, you know, in anticipation of those spikes in volume. So um, there is some seasonal leveling off during the holidays, and then we had a bit of a slow ramp up, I think. Um, we chalk it up to, uh, you know, COVID and some of the, um, uh, you know, variation there. I think, though, we, um, you know, we have seen an uptick in, in data and in definitely in engagement. <clears throat> um, since then, the investor letter goes into some great detail in terms of the innovation in Q4, as well as uh, the impact that's had on user engagement, uh, increasing uh, the number of users and the frequency with which they engage. So um, that hypothesis that we had that data would uh, increased data would lead to increased users is um, is uh, is showing up now, and we're excited to see both of those grow. Although there will be occasional you know seasonal variations, like you know. And can you go into more detail on the renewal churn you're seeing? Does it have to do with hesitation around the new consumption model, or is it indicative of a more competitive environment? You gave us a few examples in the letter, but if you can elaborate more broadly on what you're hearing from customers, that would be helpful. Now, a large part of that is um, is the fact that we are now no longer focused on commitment. And so our, our focus is getting folks onto the new model. And so it's collaborative. If, if, if they're, you know, they, we want them to commit to whatever level of spend they're comfortable with. And then once they do that, that's when the work starts. Okay, let's get them consuming. Let's get them consuming more. And so I think... That is, um, that's been, you know, that's been, uh, you know, when, when you look at the old metrics of ARR, that's been a headwind to ARR because we're no longer focused on that. We've been talking about that now for a couple quarters. And as we get into this year, we're, you know, the comp plans, everything's aligned around that. So, so I think the, 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 the biggest issue has been uh, us changing our strategy, now being more aligned with the customers and being, being comfortable with whatever level, level of commitment they, they want to commit to. Uh, so I think that's been that's been a, a big change. I think customers like that. Uh, I think it's better for for overall efficiency and getting deals done. And we've seen that we've seen that accelerate the rate at which we can convert customers. Right, it's, it's fewer calories, fewer, less energy is, is taken now to convert a customer to the new model. Now that we've we've gotten away from worrying about the level of commitment, we also have some customers who are just who are not comfortable committing to large numbers, even though they know and they've told us that they're going to spend a lot more than they're committing to. Uh, there's no penalty for that, right? We don't charge, you know, uh, higher rates because they went over their commitment or something like that. So we have some large customers who have just said, I I'm going to keep spending, I'm going to grow my spend, but you know what, I want to commit to a much lower level. We're comfortable with that. Uh, the critical thing for us would be to watch that consumption like a hawk and make sure that it is continue as expected. Um, but, uh, but those are some of, some of the dynamics that are going on that make that, that overall commitment level less of an indicator of how things are really going. Appreciate the call, thanks. And our next question comes from George Awanek from Oppenheimer. Please go ahead with your question. All right. Uh, thank you for taking my question, and uh, congratulations, Bill, and uh, Lou, thank you for uh, your perspective over the years. Uh, so looking at you know, the, the sales comments that you made, can you give us a sense of you know, maybe the type of person you're hiring right now? Uh, are you 
hiring a more technical person to to focus on the customer success part of the uh, equation at, at this point? Yeah, definitely uh, the importance of having our technical sales field um, involved in those conversations on an ongoing basis is more important than ever, and so we're hiring there, as well as relationship managers that have a history of nurturing ongoing and supportive relationships with customers versus sometimes you see the, the pattern of more aggressive kind of negotiation type sales um, uh, leadership. Uh, we've, you know, with the consumption model, really, um, really pivoted to focusing on long-term relationships and value realization. And so, uh, the, the vendors that are more indicative of that model are the ones that uh, we're um, we're recruiting from, and and also, uh, as you know, a shift to more technical sellers as well as our solution consultants. Yeah. So, following up on that, just um, from a self-service perspective, can you uh, maybe give us some color on how you're shifting your marketing dollars, how you're leaning on uh, ecosystem partners to, uh, you know, accelerate the, you know, the engagement process of those uh, accounts and users? You bet. Yeah, as you noted, uh, likely in the investor letter, our uh, new self-service business is rapidly expanding. Uh, that's a great indication of the strength of the product and the value that customers are finding there as they transition from our free tier into a paid model. Um, we are increasingly, with the, the confidence we're getting there, increasingly shifting some dollars, more dollars into marketing and top of funnel than we have in the past. But I, um, uh, you know, but I, I, I wouldn't say that it's being driven out of uh, pure marketing spend. It's, uh, really been much more driven on the brand and the word of mouth um, as customers, uh, as the mind share grows around the new Alec One platform. Uh, on the um, overall signs around self-serve business, I think, uh, as you may have noted, our total paying accounts for the first quarter in quite a few quarters leveled out, and we see um, that largely driven by the growth in the self-serve business and the strength there, uh, we believe will continue and uh, reverse the trend of declining paid customers uh, in, in uh, the future quarters. Thank you. Our next question comes from Young Kim from Loop Capital Markets. Please go ahead with your question. Thank you. First, congrats on Bill on the promotion. Um, so. Um, I think you guys are already um, at least two quarters into the new pricing model. Um, for those customers who have changed over to the new pricing model, um, how long does it take on average before they reach the revenue run rate that was, uh, you know, somewhat same or similar to the old model? Yeah, it's a good question, and it obviously varies by customer, but we have been studying it over the last two and a half orders that we've been in that model for the customers who've adopted. And um, what we're seeing is it takes about a month or so for them to right-size their consumption, you know, based on users and data, the new, the new pricing meters. Um, and uh, then once uh, that right-sizing is done the first month, uh, usage begins to steadily grow. And as we've noted before, starting with data, ingesting more data because of the low cost per gigabyte that we offer 
and then that attracting more users. And, uh, and now we're seeing both data and users grow healthy for the customers that have been in the model for, um, uh, for several months. Yeah, the only thing I would, I would add in to, to that comment is, um, you know, it's interesting. We, we have, we have two data, or multiple data sets, but one where customers are converting over from the historical model that was subscription based, host based pricing, primarily APM driven, um, that we're migrating to a platform to a consumption model. And then we have another cohort of customers that is brand new. To the, to the New Relic. They came on with the New Relic platform as, the, as their only knowledge of New Relic and the consumption model as their core pricing uh, mechanism. And, and the behavior of the two customers is, is quite different. The, the uh, customers that convert over, you know, in, the, in their minds they have a, 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 you know, a value prop, a, a, a legacy spend level, you know, and they'll, so they'll be, They'll be, they'll be in some ways influenced by what they used to be doing, what they used to be spending, and we'll see some, we'll see some behavior, um, you know, modifications where it looks like they're trying to do some gymnastics to, 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 to fit in that spend or do some things uh, because they've got that historic perspective. New customers, on the other hand, tend to, um, tend to come in and embrace the platform and start to grow data and users right from the get-go. And those, uh, I think those growth rates are, are what we think will be more indicative of the future um, once we've gotten everyone migrated over and, and people, again, get out of that, that historic perspective of, of, you know, a host-based and, and an APM-only APM and a siloed type view of the, of the product. Okay, great. That's, uh, that was very helpful. Um, you know, the, um, one of the main goals of the new pricing model is to encourage use of more of your products um, and try to have the customers adopt new relic of their um, the, um, enterprise standard. Um, are you seeing that trend materialize uh, with those customers who have adopted the new pricing model? Um, you know, previously maybe they were only doing ATM and maybe a couple of modules, but are you seeing them? I know it's only been two and a half uh, quarters, but are you starting to see at least pilot projects that kind of uh, um, is leveraging some of the other newer products uh, that they previously did not use? Absolutely, yes. Uh, the, the number of data types uh, and the breadth of adoption we are seeing expand. Um, I think we've shared some of that data, again, in the investor letter uh, and the one previous to this quarter as well, but uh, very healthy adoption across the platform for customers that move to the new model. I'll note we also launched um, uh, major improvements to our logging uh, product last last month uh, after Q4 ended, and the growth in logging in particular as an expansion new, new product um, in the platform has been phenomenal. So definitely seeing breadth of platform adoption for customers who move to the new consumption model. Okay, that's good to hear. Um, I got one quick question for Mark. Um, can you remind us what the billing frequency is under the new model? Is it monthly, quarterly, annually? Uh, primarily, it is annual upfront. Okay. Uh, for the for the new new pricing model, right? The consumption based. Yeah, yeah. For the consumption, and then obviously, once they hit their commit, then it then it gets to monthly overages. But but when they make a commitment, um, most the vast majority of our customers are, are annual upfront. Okay. And, and then the pay go business, the low end is monthly. Okay, great. Okay, thank you so much.
Our next question comes from Michael Turnitz from Citibank. Please go ahead with your question. Hey, guys. Uh, Lou, of course, congratulations to you um, and on everything you've accomplished. Uh, one for one for mm -hmm. uh, Mark, one for one for Bill. For so so for Mark, I, if there is a an, what's called an accounting or model headwind to revenue growth, it makes that not representative right now. First of all, do, do I do I understand it that it's it's the difference between you know consumption as we go versus what we're a higher level of commits um, and therefore a tough comp at this point that we've got an anniversary. And can you normalize for that in some way to let us know at least based on current trends? where we want, might emerge once the anniversary of that from a growth perspective? Well, in, in the old world, we would have gotten an upfront commitment um, at the time of renewal, right? We would have gotten, say, a 15 or 20% uptick in committed spend. And so on March 31, someone does that, and then they, uh, you know, they we start we start recognizing that, that subscription on April 1 at the, at the higher level. Uh, in the new world, they migrate over at that existing spend, and so on April 1, there's no difference from March 31, right? Or April, April revenue is the same as March revenue. It's only when consumption increases and gets to the point where that consumption looks like it's going to be higher than their, their historical the commitment where we start to recognize incremental revenue. So that tends to be pushed out a little bit, and I would say it's pushed out a couple quarters on average. Um, it depends on a lot of things, but, but I would say that's, the, uh, that's, that's kind of a, a, a decent proxy. And so you do have this, this, you know, a time of commitment instead of the, getting the initial immediate bump, you do have the, a delay. And now, on the flip side, you know, historically, a lot of our customers would have been over-consuming before the end of their contract period was up. And they would just get away, effectively, over-consuming until the renewal period. You know, at this point, we'll actually capture some of that in, in, the, in the, the, the period in which they're consuming because it'll be more closely, the revenue will be more closely tied to their actual consumption. So initially, there's a there is that headwind, but then we catch up in the in the back half of the year. And can you do you feel like you can take a shot at normalizing to see where we emerge past in terms of growth past the um, anniversary? Uh, you know, it, it, we're we're looking at all sorts of numbers and trends around that. We've given out guidance, you know, our revenue guidance for the year. Our, our Certainly, our, our long-term goals that we talked about is to get back to market rate growth, and and so you know we want to be able to do that. Uh, but but you know it's hard to it, it's kind of apples and oranges trying to compare the two, um, you know, over the next you know next one or two you know couple quarters. If I get a, a bill question, the bill question is, you know, you, you've you've pursued a. I wonder how things are going competitively in the sense that. You've pursued maybe more focused and defined monitoring and observability strategy around, you know, you've expanded into logging, metrics, uh, traces, et cetera. But, but some of your competitors uh, have gotten broader than that, looking there is like workflows, security, or are part of larger organizations like ServiceNow is going to be an observability. Splunk is broader. So 
how do you feel like you're doing competing against what looks like a field that is approaching things from a more a broader strategic perspective? Uh, I wouldn't characterize it as a, a broader strategic perspective. I, I feel really good about our competitive position, honestly. The bulk of our opportunity is greenfield, um, although when we do come up against competitors, we're seeing uh, some phenomenal win, wins again uh, against uh, you know, some of the leading vendors. And, you know, our strategy is just fundamentally different. Uh, while, while they may be expanding into, say, security, as you've mentioned, um, we're increasingly moving other directions. And uh, the, the product roadmap, as Lou noted, this quarter in Q4 was phenomenal. I'm really excited by where we're going to take observability in FY22 and the roadmap ahead. Um, you're going to see uh, uh, continued innovation and differentiation from New Relic One, uh, not chasing taillights of competitors and some of the things that they've already chosen to do, but really chart our own course, which we think uh, is most valuable for customers. Thanks, Bill. Our next question comes from Eric Hoppiger from JMP Securities. Please go ahead with your question. Yeah, thanks uh, for taking the question, and um, congratulations, Lou. Uh, first off, on the um, on the consumption model, uh, what is the sales compensation like? Is um, is it a uh, just a regular renewal that the uh, salesperson gets on the on the commitment, and then uh, and then they get paid on the um, consumption piece uh, on a monthly basis, or, or how does that look? And then secondly, can you update us where you are in terms of the transition off of uh, AWS? Sure. So uh, on the sales compensation, we pay on it is 100% on consumption. So um, it is users and data, and and uh, that's that's the. the dollar run rate, basically, of the consumption of their customers. So every month, um, the, the, you have a patch, and you look at what the consumption of your, of your patch is on the first of the month. You look at what your consumption is on your patch on the last day of the month, and the, the change, the increase, is, is how you, you get paid. Uh, you, you work down quota by, by getting that consumption to increase and you get monthly monthly compensation on on that. Uh, so um, that's the, the sales compensation. On the, the migration to the to the to AWS and the cloud, that is going well. Um, as we we know in the in the letter, um, the gross margin in Q4 was uh, was impacted by some some uh, spend that had shifted from Q3 as well as we had at a reclass from uh, of some expenses from um, to from from R and D expense to to our cause line, uh, but uh, but that is going well. We expect gross margins to to take a dip in Q1, and I would say um, likely uh, Q1 will likely be the uh, you know the, the where we where we have the you know we're the into the six uh, into the sixties, a little bit lower gross margin. And then we expect them to start climbing to get uh, back to the low 70s for the year, uh, and we do expect gross margins to, to climb up into the 80s as we continue this migration through the end of, uh, back to the 80% range, I should say, as we continue migration into fiscal 23. In fiscal 22, 
we expect about a $40 million hit to our cause and bottom line because of the, the double bubble, if you will, the migration expenses, the fact that we're, we're carrying still the legacy costs, the score costs associated with our internal data center, as well as driving our business to the cloud. So that's a, uh, a substantial headwind in, uh, in, in the year. Very good. Thank you. Our next question comes from Sterling Audi from J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead with your question. Yeah, thanks, guys. First, Bill, congratulations. Lou, not only congratulations, but thank you for all the years of innovation that certainly has benefited, benefited us, all of us. So thanks again. Um, on to the business. I'm curious with the new pricing model, can you give us a sense of the type of industry and the type of users that you're seeing the greatest tra traction with? Um, so in other words, is there a particular kind of trend that you're seeing in the type of you know, companies and the type of users that are attracted to the new model? Uh, on industry, I don't, uh, I, I think it's uh, cross industry. I don't see much trend in terms of um, where we're more successful than others in terms of the, you know, the type of user, type of engineer. Uh, New Relic, you know, historically has been very attractive for developers and those who adopt, um, you know, our APM solution that requires uh, often involvement with, you know, deploying our agents with the code. Uh, but increasingly as well, we're seeing, given our stronger product offering with logging and infra and other solutions, uh, more of breadth adoption across IT, so enterprise and operators embracing New Relic One uh, as a platform. So broadening into SRE and more of the operator space as well. If I could have one detail that is a little bit of a trend though, we called to it in the letter. Um, our pay-as-you-go business is remarkably strong and why I think that matters is that is pure product and it tends to be ahead of where larger enterprises go because smaller companies can be more nimble. So the fact that we see such a rapid growth in the in the number of page you go customers exceeding our expectations and the fact that uh, the growth of the number of page you go customers that go above 25k with no direct sales involvement that's a testimony to the amazing product that really built, built and transformed in the last uh, year and a bit, um, just just driving business growth. And, and our hope is that that, um, that that also shows up probably across the whole business in a similar way over, over the long term. Got it. And then as a follow-up, I wonder if we could revisit the user uh, versus data mix contribution. I, I guess I wasn't clear. Where do you think that settles out over the long term and why? So I, I guess I would say rough numbers, two-thirds, one-thirds. And, um, and that, that is, uh, you know, we, we want to drive that. Um, obviously, the, 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 the higher the user count for us, the better as a percentage given, given gross margins. That's a much higher gross margin on our user base than, than on the data. Um, you know, so it does depend on our, on our customer mix, we think, overall. 
our customer mix is going to be, um, I would say, if anything, shifting more toward smaller and medium-sized customers as opposed to the large enterprises. We'll get plenty of those. But if you look at where we are, you know, when we're at, at $2 billion, if you will, um, it's, it's, you know, that mix, I think, is such that we'll be, we'll be probably a little bit more skewer, skewed toward the, toward the um, higher user count and lower, lower uh, as a percentage of the, of the total. Um, you know, we, we do push data, and so if we're, if we're really successful in pushing data, um, then, you know, we could see that number drift below uh, or above a third, and it could go as high as 40 percent. Um, and again, that would be, that would be great in our, in our minds because we think that'd be a leading indicator to then getting more users later on. So, um, but I, I think, you know, roughly speaking, I would say think, think two-thirds, one-third as a, as a decent um, estimate. Understood. Thank you. Our next question comes from Jackie Andrews from Needham. Please go ahead with your question. So good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question, and I'll echo uh, my congratulations to uh, Bill and Lou. I want to ask a question on the uh, partner side of things. Could you um, just talk about how your channel of MSPs and systems integrators have absorbed this uh, consumption-based change, and are they uh, fully educated on the change, or uh, just what is kind of their the feedback that you're getting from that group? Yeah, um, our MSPs uh, is, have been lagging, I think, where um, our, you know, sales team has been the shift to consumption and new pricing model impacts them as well, and the, the self-service tools that are needed to support them um, have, uh, have not been fully available. Um, and so, I'd say it's been lagging, but it's an important area of investment for us that we're prioritizing for this fiscal year and expect to uh, help us to accelerate growth in the coming quarters ahead. Okay, thanks. And then just I want to ask a higher-level question, which is just how do you think about um, elasticity of demand in this market when you're weighing, um, I guess, price versus users and data? Do you think that you've – found the sweet spot here, or do you think there's maybe opportunities to perhaps further optimize what you can potentially capture in terms of, you know, data and market share? That's a good question. We've been asking ourselves that lately um, and doing some um, studies with external uh, vendors around price elasticity. Now that we've been in market for uh, coming up, um, you know, on the anniversary in July, we think it's a good time, given we pioneered this model, kind of introduced and set the price to check in and um, getting, getting some really valuable data, and uh, we'll be making uh, any necessary pricing changes as a result of that. I think it's a bit too early to share the specifics on what might change, but it's definitely something we're looking at and wanting to be able to maximize our, our um, you know, revenue share as a result of the attractive pricing model that we've introduced. Thanks for the color. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star and then one. To withdraw your question, you may press star and two. Our next question comes from Derek Wood from Cowan & Company. Please go ahead with your question. 
Oh, thanks, and, and congrats, Lou and Bill, and good luck on the next chapters. Um, uh, maybe first, Bill, could, can, can you give us a little more color on the go-to-market restructuring that you guys announced and kind of more specifically what you've done? And, and one of the points in the, in, the, in the press release was that you believe productivity levels are higher in um, a consumption model. So could you just flesh that out in terms of why you think that's the case? Yeah. Thanks for asking the question. Um, yeah, as we noted with the restructuring, um, our, uh, as, as you probably know, our sales and marketing spend has been much higher than our peers historically, and um, we feel like uh, this change really sets us up to be both more competitive but also really aligned with the strategy and focusing our sellers on driving consumption versus those upfront commits. Um, the, uh, I think the, the traction that we're seeing also in that self-service space, think of that as not just, you know, validation of the product and a very highly efficient uh, adoption model, but also a really highly efficient uh, customer acquisition uh, channel where those customers come in, they're getting value, they want to increase their spend, as we noted in the investor letter, we're seeing a number of customers going beyond 25,000, even 100,000 in spend, and, and those become highly qualified and engaged customers that our sales team that engages and expands. And so uh, the efficiency really comes um, uh, by, uh, you know, reducing and focusing that go-to-market motion on consumption and coupled together with that product-led growth or self-service model really, you know, is, is, is the uh, – complementary benefits that we're seeing play out there. So uh, I think this sets us up well for FY22, as I mentioned earlier, to begin again to grow paid accounts overall. We're going to see that expand, as um, we believe, and also continue in the back half of the year, as Mark noted, to see accelerating revenue growth as well. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Thanks. And one for Mark. Um, the 100K account number was down sequentially for the first time. I, it sounds like most of that's due to the shift off of, of subscription contracts. But uh, any, can you tell us how how you how churn has trended during this model transition over the last couple of quarters? And um, and I think you may have mentioned a couple losses in the quarter, but uh, if you could give a little, little more color there, thanks. Yeah, sure. So, you know, when we when we talk about churn, historically we've talked about churn and thought about churn as churn is any time someone goes from a, a certain level of spend to a reduced level of spend, and that's what we've talked. And that was churn, right? That was a, it was a downgrade. Um, in in our new model, like we want to just be careful about how we're talking about things. Churn is if a customer goes to zero and they churn out of our business, that obviously is really bad. We want to prevent that and, and do everything we can to prevent that. And I think a lot of the go-to-market restructuring work we're doing is, is, is aimed at that, making sure people are engaged. If they're engaged, they won't churn out. They'll keep using. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, so, so when we look back, what we're seeing is some customers are reducing their spend, Sometimes that's that's a bad thing. Sometimes it's a fine thing, right? They 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 are going to continue to consume. It's all around consumption. So I think we just want to be be thoughtful about how we use the, all these terms. But when we look back at the the trends we've been seeing, um, one of the big reasons we went to this model last summer was that 
we felt like we had too many customers who were who were were you know stuck on on APM only as New Relic customers, and we knew that wasn't a long-term win for for us or for the customer. And we had uh, you know we had too many customers who uh, too many times where we felt like the customer really wasn't getting enough out of our solution, and we felt that was a, a big change we had to make. To, to do to drive drive different results, and that resulted in the the platform introduction, New Relic One introduction last August, which which the product obviously changed dramatically, but also our go to market motion, where we're we're changing and we're driving, we're compensating our reps on consumption. Um, now reps have an incentive to be engaged with customers on a monthly, if not weekly or daily basis. They want to be making sure that customers are. Are doing that, so we've made all these changes to try and, and address what we felt like was a churn number that was above where we wanted it to be. Um, and so, as we get into this year, we're confident that that is is having uh, good results. That we're getting more engaged with our customers. That customers are adopting more of the platform, and that we'll be able to improve, you know, improve the the number of customers who leave New Relic. And and uh, you know our overall downgrades or and, and churn numbers, we're confident that we'll be able to improve those as we go through this year. Right. Thanks for the color. And our next question comes from Keith Botman from Bank of Montreal. Please go ahead with your question. Hi. Thank you very much, um, Mark. I wanted to see if you could offer any color on, given the platform that you have today and the new pricing model. How do you see the dynamics of growth driven by new logos versus existing customers? Sure. So, um, you know, our business is going to be primarily driven in, in the short term by, by expansion of existing business and consumption increases from existing customers. No doubt about that. Uh, you know, the, those customers, that base, um, can, can grow modestly, and it dwarfs the, the net new that we get in as a, uh, you know, for, for new customers. A new customer for us is someone who goes from not paying us to paying us, and the vast majority of those customers come in at the, the pay-go, at the self-serve pay-as-you-go uh, threshold, where they are a free-tier customer, they migrate to paying, um, and we can, you can see in the, in the, we've talked about, you've seen the letter, the information around how they grow. They get to a, a 25K or so uh, threshold in annual spend, and then maybe they become a, a sales opportunity, and then we grow them from there. But, but so the first, the first couple dollars are new, and the next, you know, hopefully millions that we get from that customer are all expansion. So the vast majority of it is expansion. Uh, on the other hand, what we are very focused on is the number of new customers we get in. And that's what we really think. When you think about our new business, we, we look at the metric, key metric there is how many new customers we're getting in. And the secondary metric is how much, how much, you know, in committed spend and consumption are we getting in from those new customers. Uh, so I, hopefully that, that addresses it. Yeah, and so that's where I wanted to follow up on is, you know, the majority of your new dollars are still going to come from existing customers. You've only had two quarters, so I really realize it may be a bit premature. But, but how do you see your growth driven by the consumption model associated with your new customers? Previously, we used the term net expansion, but you don't want to use that. But, you know, any, any kind of conjecture or, or guidelines you might be able to provide about, uh, given the new consumption model, how you think growth 
is going to trend with your existing customer base? Um, well, we're we're keeping a, as you can imagine, a, a, a very close eye on these numbers. We look at all sorts of different cohorts of, of customers that have transitioned. How are they growing? New customers, how are they growing? Um, and you know, what we what we what we speculated we're seeing to be the case, where after this after this initial period, you know, customers tend to increase data consumption first. And our data price is very attractive, and I think customers, customers recognize that. And so they say, you know what, it's pretty cheap. I'm going to put some data in there. Uh, and so the data growth starts, and that's what we see early. And then that drives the, the user growth, you know, a couple months down the line. And then, and then you know, and then I think that, you know, what we're, what we're hoping for and expecting is that's, that's somewhat of a virtuous cycle. Um, you know, new users come on and they bring in more data. And so, um, you know, we've seen early indications of, of these trends happening, um, and we, we, we're pleased with the numbers we see. But, you know, we want to get a little more time on our belt before we, we start talking too broadly about them or, or, um, or you know, take them to the bank. Yeah, understood. Yeah, understood. Okay, I'm going to try to sneak one more in. Just on the channel, uh, a question was asked previously. Mine's a little bit broader, but how, how do you get mindshare, you think, with channel partners? And what I mean by that, the, you know, how do you make sure that the channel is making at least comparable money working with, with New Relic based on the new consumption model? I just wondered, you know, what your, what your tactics are to try to make sure you retain channel mindshare uh, as you're going through this multi-phase transition. Yeah, when we think about channel partners, obviously the uh, opportunity in it for them has to be uh, equally compelling as it is for our customers. And so we've been working through, um, you know, the arrangement in, in how they are able to uh, both price and sell uh, the consumption model as well as uh, benefit from it. Uh, and then also working on a product roadmap that can support that from a self-service experience perspective so that they can onboard customers and support the customer as well. Um, I think the opportunity is there, especially we're seeing in uh, the EMEA and APJ markets, the need for that partner channel, the demand for the partner channel as a um, sales funnel is, uh, is in increasingly clear. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're going to be investing there in FY22 to expand that channel and uh, support support those partners. Okay. All right. Well, best of luck to all. Many thanks. Okay. So I just uh, want to. I, I know we're about out of time for questions, but and before I hand off to Lou, just want to say a couple couple other comments about um, about about. Uh, things that have come up, and one is on um, on our on our. Uh, out, outlook for the year. Uh, I mentioned the $40 million, um, you know, double bubble spend we have on hitting gross margin. We also have a change to our um, commission accounting. And if you remember 606, a couple of years ago, we all went from expensing commissions to, to amortizing them. In our case, it was over, generally over three years, and the bulk of commissions were amortized. Now that we are moving to a, a consumption-based model and a sales commission plan that's based on consumption, we are actually going back to expensing commissions uh, in, in the year in which they're earned, the period in which they're earned. 
And so that's going to be in the 35-ish million dollars uh, of a hit to our uh, sales sales and marketing expense line this year. That is not a, a cash item. Um, so, but you'll see that in numbers, and just don't want want folks to be able to model that out accurately. And uh, and then the the only other thing comment I would like to make is around visibility. And I've heard a number of comments um, from folks over the last couple quarters about visibility and whether or not you know how visibly changes with with the move to the consumption model. And you know visibility. I would look at it as as being just about as good as you know for a consumption company as it is for a subscription company. The reality is, you know, we're looking at we're looking at our customers and how they're consuming on a daily basis now. And in the old model, you did have a commitment for one year, but then then that year they could upgrade, they could downgrade, and a lot of times you you didn't necessarily have good visibility of what was going to happen there. Whereas we're in a consumption model, we're paying much closer attention to this, and these trends generally don't really change dramatically from one period or one day to the next, one week to the next. Um, you can you can look at historical trends and and actually gain quite a bit of of confidence in terms of of uh, you know an outlook going forward. Um, and so we're a unique period right now. We're in the midst of a transition, so I would say that. That does have a, an impact. Uh, you know, the near-term visibility, I think, for the quarter is very good. Um, uh, but as we – and it will get better over the course of the year for the longer term as we get through the transition. There is some you – know, as we, we said a couple times, we want to wait till we get through the one-year period and we see the anniversary and see behaviors at the end of the contracts and at the anniversary dates before we, before we get too far ahead of ourselves. But, uh, but I just want to point that out because I know that's been a question on people's minds, and uh, it is something that we feel like over time, you know, consumption model will continue to afford us uh, very good visibility into into the door out, uh, revenue outlook. With that, I will uh, hand it over to Lou. Okay, thank you very much, and thanks to everybody for your questions, the call, and in particular, I'm personally touched by the the, the kind kind words that were shared by. by I know to be um, just as a founder, um, every founder, you know, they dream for their company to have success. When I started New Relic nearly 14 years ago, I had no idea. It's just exceeded my highest hopes to, to get to where we are today. And yet, um, like any other founder, your real hope is that your company outlasts you and that um, at the right time, uh, when there is a time for next leader, that that person is, you know, matches and, and aligns with core values. Um, and, and that's so true in the case of, of, of Bill. So I'm thrilled that Bill is moving into this role. I'm also personally excited to code again every day um, and, uh, and focus on innovation. I think the New Relic One platform is an innovator's dream, and so there's more to be done there, and I hope to contribute in that way as well as being uh, the best helper and, and advisor and confidant uh, Bill could have as CEO. So I truly believe we're just getting started. Um, and that, um, you know, all of the hard work we've done in the last year um, is now um, ready and, and well set to, to bear fruit, especially with, with such strong leadership uh, from Bill starting on July 1st. So thank you all for, uh, for, for your time today and, and for your interest in New Relic, and we are excited to um, continue on our noble mission.
Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude today's conference. We do thank you for attending. You may now disconnect your lines.